0: Exodus chapter 40, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, on the first day of the first month you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall put in it the ark of the testimony, and you shall screen the ark with the veil, and you shall bring in the table and arrange it, and you shall bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps, And you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of the testimony and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and consecrate it and all its furniture so that it may become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar so that the altar may become most holy. You shall also anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the holy garments. And you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve me as priest. You shall bring his sons also and put coats on them and anoint them as you anointed their father that they may serve me as priest. And their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. This Moses did. According to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark. And put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen. And screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil. And arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle. And he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, Whenever the cloud was taken up from above, from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. This is the word of the Lord. The word of God is good. All by itself as we saw last week in exodus chapters 36 through 39 the children of israel were obedient in building the pieces that the lord had instructed them to build and because of their obedience we see that they received a blessing from moses chapter 39 verse 42 and 43 let us know this to be true According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. So had they done it. Then Moses blessed them. So now the people of God have all of the pieces that God has told them to build so that they can erect this tabernacle. And what we see in this week's passage is that the Lord now gives Moses instructions for the setup of these pieces. He tells Moses on the first day of the first month, you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. And then he tells him how all of the pieces are to go inside of this tabernacle and the pieces outside in the court around it. So Moses knows the instructions for setting up the pieces that the people of God have built. But the Lord didn't only give Moses the instructions to set up these pieces. He also gave Moses instructions to set apart the pieces. Call this the consecration ceremony. The Lord told Moses to take the anointing oil. This anointing oil Moses would have been familiar with because Moses received instructions on creating the anointing oil and the use of this anointing oil the first time he went up on the mountain of God. And we see that back in Exodus chapter 30, starting at verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is 250, and 250 of aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil, blended as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. This word in the ESV, verse 25, translated sacred and holy is the same word in Hebrew, kodesh. It means sacredness, apartness. It communicates something or someone that's devoted exclusively to one use or service. And so the Lord is letting Moses know that this anointing oil is a sacred oil. It's a holy oil. It's set apart exclusively for one service or use. And the Lord goes on to give Moses the instructions of how this holy oil is to be used and how it's not to be used. And verse 26 through 30 of Exodus 30 gives us the same instructions that we just read in chapter 40 for this consecration ceremony. And then the Lord also tells him how not to use it. Verse 31 through 33, and you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of any ordinary person, and you shall make no other like it in composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it or whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. So because this oil is holy set apart for a specific purpose and use by God, it's not to be used in a common way. And so Moses understands this, it's holy, and it's to be holy to the people. And anyone who misuses what God deems to be holy will be cut off, because this which God determines is sacred. And so now Moses is to take this sacred oil, this holy oil, oil, and he is now to perform this consecration ceremony with the pieces that God just told him how to erect them. And we see here in this list in verses 9 through 15 that Moses is to anoint and consecrate all the pieces in the tabernacle. This word anoint is to smear, to mark. In the context in which it's being used in this passage, it means to consecrate for religious services. So the Lord is telling Moses to mark all of the pieces, anoint them, and consecrate them. This word consecrate is the Hebrew word kodesh. It sounds familiar, possibly, because it's derived from the word kodesh. Right, so here this word is actually the verb form of the noun holy. So in other words, what the Lord is telling Moses is that you are to set apart these pieces to be sacred. So this is a setting apart of. And then you read, continue, and you see here in verse 9, that these pieces may become holy. So I need you to mark this, identify these pieces as being consecrated for religious service, and then I need you to set them apart as sacred. And when you do this, they will become sacred. So this ceremony is to take that which is common... And now to make it sacred. So the gold, the materials that were used, these were all just like every other piece of material that the children of Israel had. But what caused them to be different now was this consecration ceremony that the Lord was commanding Moses to take these pieces through. Anoint them and set them apart. They will not be used for anything else. So now it's like, well, this gold is the same as this gold. What's the difference? It's not that this gold is better than this gold. It's that this gold has now been set apart, devoted exclusively to one use or service. So it's no longer to be used in a common way. It's to be used specifically for the purposes of God. And the Lord tells Moses to anoint and consecrate the pieces, but he also tells him to anoint and consecrate a people. He tells him to clean Aaron and his sons and to mark them with this holy oil and to consecrate them that he may serve me as priest. So the Lord tells Moses now, again, mark Aaron, his sons, and set them apart as sacred. Not better than but specifically to be used in the service of God for the people of God before God himself. So God has now given these instructions, how to set up the tabernacle, and also how to set apart the tabernacle and the people for religious services, devoted exclusively to one use a service. And then we see through verse 16 and on down to verse 33, You heard it read seven different times as the Lord had commanded Moses. The people of Israel were obedient. Verse 16 and 17 tell us this Moses did, according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Now, this is a special day, the first month. The second year on the first day. This is the year anniversary of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. A year ago, they found themselves as slaves, but they had finished seeing the 10 plagues. And now they're walking out of Egypt as victors on their way to the promised land. And now a year later, here they are erecting the tabernacle, the sacred place that God has told them to build. This is a high and holy time in the life of the children of Israel. And while they may not have gotten it right before, we hear that they got it right this time. As the Lord commanded them, they did everything he said. They put it together and built it north side, south side. You want a little bit of oil here, some fragrant incense here. You want it to kill how many? Okay, we got that. They followed the grocery list to a T. And now we see that the Lord does something that if we can just enter in prayerfully, it will cause us to be in awe of God. Remember chapter 39, after building all the pieces and being obedient, it says, then Moses blessed them. But after building the pieces, erecting the tabernacle, and setting it apart exclusively for the use of God, it says, then The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, this scene is not unfamiliar to the people of God. This scene is very familiar. It's similar to what they experienced when they first got to the mountain of God. When the Lord called them out and said, I want to enter into a covenant with you. And he told Moses to consecrate the people over the next three days, set them apart so that they can be prepared to come into my presence because I want to speak with my people. And then we can see over here in Exodus chapter 24, right before Moses goes into the mountain to get all of these instructions that the people of Israel just finished executing, what that scene looked like as Moses entered the mountain and what the people of God would have seen. Exodus 24, verse 16 and 17. It says, the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. So they've seen the glory of the Lord. It looked like a devouring fire. Now, again, just picture it for a moment, a massive mountain that they were already told because the presence of God was descending on it. They could not come a certain distance within the touch of the mountain or else they would die. And make sure you keep your animals, too, because a stray goat, I don't know what to tell you, touches this mountain it's going to die, too. If you want your goat, keep it behind the line. Right. Because the glory of the Lord was descending on this mountain and the cloud covered the mountain right? That sounds the same way of what we just read in Exodus 40. Now, because the people of God have done what God has said, the cloud covers the tent, and the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle. Now, again, I can't picture it, but for just a moment, let me use my spiritual imagination and join me. Devouring fire on a mountain tabernacle on the ground glory of the lord looking like a devouring fire entering the tabernacle like okay i mean something just happened here the cloud comes covers the tent of meeting and the glory of the lord fills it that's not just a oh yeah no verse verse 40 the you know, chapter 40, verse 34, that was, that was nice. And then we just, no, sit with it for just a moment. I mean, picture this moment, the high and holy time. What's happening here? Exodus 25, verse 8 just happened. The Lord gave instructions to the people to bring these contributions. He was telling Moses on the mountain. And it says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. So they have now made this sanctuary. The sanctuary is a sacred place where God dwells, this place that's been set apart for the exclusive use of a house for God. And so because they have done what he said, they've built the pieces, they set up the tabernacle, and now they've set it apart, it's a sacred place, and the Lord dwells in their midst. This word dwell means settle down, to abide the presence of God. That was like a devouring fire, making a mountain look like it was going to smoke. The people are going to burn up. The people of God heard the voice of God and they said, Moses, listen, you go and you talk to God. We don't ever need to hear him again. That was cool. It was cute. Great experience. And we're done. You go and you relay whatever he has to say to us. This presence has now come to dwell, to settle down in the midst Of his people God did what he said and Moses and the people of Israel would have understood what this meant you might recall as we were walking through Exodus in chapter 33 there was a moment where the children of Israel because of their disobedience God said I'm not going to go with you I'm still going to give you the promised land and I'm going to send an angel to go and clear out the land, but I'm not going to go with you. And Moses cries out to God on behalf of the people. And when we hear this prayer that Moses prays, is going to help us have a better understanding of how meaningful, how magnificent this moment is where the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle. Moses says to God on behalf of the people after the Lord said, not going. And then he says, okay, I'll go. Verse 15 and 16, Exodus 33. And he said to him, Moses, saying to God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? And what Moses is communicating here is how shall it be known that we are your treasured possession? How shall it be known that we have acceptance with God, that we are your people, if you don't go with us? Continue reading here, verse 16. Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? In other words, is it not because of your presence with us that we will be a set-apart people? That's what the word distinct means, to be separated out. So what's going to make us a set-apart people, different from all other peoples of the nation, it's not that we have this cool new tent. It's not that we've gotten this promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. What's going to cause us to be different from everybody else? What's going to cause us to be sacred, set apart? What God said, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests is your presence. If we have all of Canaan on lockdown, we've cleared it out, and we are taking possession of the land, we're no different than anybody else. It doesn't matter what we have. It doesn't matter where we are. If your presence does not go with us, We will not be a distinct people. We'll be common. We'll be separated from you. It's your presence, is what Moses is communicating, that makes the difference. So then, as we hear here in Exodus 40, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is the moment, this is the point of the entire book of Exodus, if you've been with us since January, this is what we've been building up to. God freed the people, but not just so that they can roam around and say, cool, well, I'm not in Egypt anymore. God made a promise to give a people a place, and that's great too. But the point is that God promises to give himself to his people. I will be with you. I will dwell with you. You will be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, my treasure possession. Setting you apart. The creator of the universe, again, who needs nothing and who needs no one, desires to settle down with his people. And because his people were willing to obey him, to do as he commanded, the glory which is the presence of God, the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle. Now Israel has all that they need. And if you see here later on in verse 38, it says, The cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Not only did he come and fill the tabernacle, but he stayed with them and settled down throughout all their journeys. So now as they're going through the wilderness, they see this cloud, a pillar of fire by night to remind them that God is with them. God has set this people apart so that he can dwell with them. So that he can be in their presence and they can be with him. But there's a greater purpose. Where God wasn't doing that. God was not setting them apart so that they can say, hey, look at us, we're better. No. Again, sacred. Set apart for one use or purpose. But not to say that I'm better than you. No, I am no different than you. what makes me different now is that I have been set apart and God has set a people apart so that he can let others know who he is and that other nations can be drawn to him right it's going back to the fulfillment of the promise that he made to Abraham through you all of the nations of the world will be blessed and so the Lord is setting apart a people so that other nations might see, know, and believe that there is a God and that the God of Israel is the true and living God. Not all of these other gods. See, all these other gods, they don't take care of their people, but this is a God who dwells in the midst of his people. He's not some far off and distant being. He's a personal, relational God. And so God sets Israel apart so that he can use them for his glory, so that they can be a kingdom of priests, a people that represent him in this world. And God is still doing that same thing today. He sets apart a people. He consecrates a people for himself so that others might come to see, know, and believe that Jesus is the Christ. And we learn that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There's a consecration ceremony that the people of God experience. It's no longer a holy anointing oil. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God So the scriptures are telling us that in Christ, anyone, not a few, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. You have been set apart from the old. You are a new creation now, sacred, devoted exclusively for one service or use. So you used to be a part of the world. But Jesus says, I've called you out of the world. And he says, I've called you out for a specific purpose, not so that we can sit over here and hold our nose up to other people and say, I've got God and you're going to hell. No, that's not what this is. See, being sacred doesn't mean I'm better than. Being sacred means I'm different than, but my different should show you something different that's appealing and drawing. So God says, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. You've been set apart. You've been reconciled to God and been given the ministry of reconciliation. And this ministry of reconciliation is that Christ has come to die for our sins and to rescue us so that we would not have to pay the price for sin. And he's entrusted you and me, those who have come to Christ, with this message of reconciliation. So the ministry of reconciliation is what Jesus Christ did. He paid the price for all and any who would come can experience a new life. All you need to do is come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. He's ready to receive you, and he sent his son to pave the way so that you can come in. But people need to hear this truth. And so there's a message of reconciliation. This truth that we just communicated now needs to be told to others who don't know. And so the scriptures tell us here, 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, Therefore, because he entrusted us with this message of reconciliation, we are ambassadors for Christ, appointed representatives for the kingdom. You've been marked, anointed, appointed, and you have been set apart To be God's representatives. God making his appeal through us. God crying out to the world that he is a loving savior who wants to draw them in. How? Through you. Through me. It's through us. As his ambassadors, God is making his appeal to the world through us. In other words, our different should show others that there's something different that they should want to be a part of. We should be a distinct people, but again, not for the sake of saying I'm better than you. A distinct people for the purposes of saying there's a God who loves you. And if he loves me this way, he can love you this way as well. Paul practically gives us an example of how to share this ministry of reconciliation, how to share this message with the uh, the others in the world, what it looks like to be an ambassador. First Timothy, Paul shares his testimony with his son in the faith and those who would read this epistle. Verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formally... I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason. What reason have you been set apart, Paul, for the service of God? For this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. In other words, Paul is saying the appeal that God is making to the world through me as his ambassador is that me, an individual who was once a blasphemer, insolent opponent, persecutor of the church. I was the worst of the worst, Paul is saying. But because of the grace and mercy of God, he saved me. And it was for this reason that you might know that he could save you too that you might know that there's nothing that you can do there's no place that you can go where you can escape the love of Jesus if he could save a wretch like me he can save you too and this is where we need to settle in as the people of God we need to be secure and confident in our confession of faith because people don't need to look at us and think that we have it all together People don't need to look at us and think that we did God a favor when we came to Christianity, when we came to Jesus. No, people need to know that I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent to the faith. But God, but God, in his grace and his mercy, found me in the pit of pits. Like, Paul, but I didn't see you there. Yeah, there's another component to that pit that most people can't fit in. I found it, and I was in it. And he found me there. And when you believe this to be true, the Lord makes his appeal to the world through you because you don't sit on the seat of do good thinking, well, at least I'm sacred now. No, you know that if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, there's no way that I'd be set apart. So let me go and let somebody else know, hey, he loves you and he can set you apart too. Michael, I don't believe that to be true. Hold on. Let me tell you what he saved me from. Michael, I can't believe that you used to live like that. Oh. I'm telling you the PG version. And if I told you at all, I mean, we don't have enough time right now. This is going to be a five-part series. Am I just a couple of hours? No, I mean a couple of years. But I need you to know. And the sad reality in the body of Christ is that we're trying to act like we good. Like we don't need God. Like I'm not going through. So instead of being real with other people, like, listen, the only reason why I'm sitting in here right now is because God is holding me together in ways I can't explain to you. I thought I was done a long time ago. Like, Michael? Man, but I thought you were, like, in the third heaven. Like, no, I'm not. I didn't, I didn't come and make a visit from the third heaven. I came from right down the street. And I feel the same pain. I deal with the same struggles. But God's grace. Don't you feel comforted when someone gets vulnerable with you? Like oh, you got problems? Well, let me tell. I'm so glad to hear because I got problems too. But I've been trying to act like I'm doing good all by myself, and it has been destroying me. Like no, no, we don't have to fake it till we make it. We got God, right? And the Lord sets us apart, not to be a people who try to act like we're good, but He sets us apart to do to be a people that let others know that He is good, and He is worth giving everything for. And so now you can imagine, like the children of Israel, at least when they first came out the gate, having seen the glory of the Lord. I mean, picture it. You're one year removed from 430 years of slavery. And you've seen God do some great things. You've made some messes in that year window along the way. But now you're seeing the glory of God dwell with his people. How do you leave the camp? when you see that cloud get up and go, yeah, you're like, let's go. Let's go. As long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, it's like, let's go. But like the children of Israel who have been set apart, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, they got to the promised land and they forgot that the glory of the Lord is with you. Like, yeah, but the giants are with them. I'm The glory of the Lord is with you. Yeah, but, you know, but when I get this job, then maybe. No, I mean, the glory of the Lord is with you. Yeah, but I just need my kids to start. The glory of the Lord is with you. Yeah, but I'm trying to, and somebody's like, no, we get the point, Michael. No, you don't. Don't tell me you get the point. (laughs) Right, because I've been pastoring for a few years, and it's shocking how many times I've sat in somebody's living room and their lives are in shambles and nobody knew. Hold on, I thought you were part of the body of Christ. And no, one, no one knew what you were going through. Why are we just now hearing about this? Well, you know, I was trying to act like I see you don't know. You don't know if you're not willing to be open and honest about what you're going through because it's not me who's holding my life together. So I don't need to act like it's me who's holding my life together. I lean on the one who has called me out and who has raised me up to live for him. And now I live in such a way that others can see, know, and believe that Jesus is the Christ. People of God, we've been set apart. God didn't just set apart some pieces for a tabernacle, an Aaron. That you may sit there and think that. But remember, going back to the time when the people of God came to the mountain of God, he said, I'm raising you all up to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And in that same way, God is saying, I'm raising you all up to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation so that others might see that there's a love that will draw them in. But people of God, if we do not behave as a people of distinction, a people set apart, sacred, devoted exclusively to one use or service, devoted exclusively to the service of God, if we don't live that way, then the world does not hear the appeal that God is looking to make to them through us. So my challenge My charge has been sitting on the inside of me all week. Will you devote yourself exclusively to the service of God? Will you leverage your life so that others might see that Jesus is worth living for? And what does that mean? Will we stop being fake for one? Will we be in community and not act like we can do life on our own? Will we not look like the world? Like, Don't buy the hype of the bumper sticker. Coexist with every religious symbol on there. We don't do that. We exist for Jesus. And Jesus says, if you live for me, the world is going to hate you. I'm not trying to just pick a fight. I'm just looking to be faithful. But being faithful causes the world to pick a fight with us. We can't go into spaces and just try to play it safe. We have to live saved. We have to live set apart. You have been consecrated by Christ so that you can show the world that there's something different. I want to invite the praise team back up as we sit with this for a moment. As you prayerfully consider what it is in your life that has become a distraction from you devoting yourself exclusively to the service of God. What's sitting there just causing you to tip that foot over the line? Is it being comfortable? I don't want to ruffle any feathers. If I don't just go along with what everybody else is doing at work, they're going to call me a this, that, and the other. So I'm just just going to just trying to settle in. Is it looking for something else? Sacred. And when you think of who Jesus is and what he's done, we are not common people. Again, not because we're so great, but because of Christ. And the question that we have to hold on to every moment of every day is can others see Christ in me? Can my friends? Can my family? Can this family? And I've said it before and I'll keep saying it. The body of Christ should be so different than the world that people want to come and be a part of this family. But what makes us different if it's not love? What makes us different if we're holding a grudge with each other? What makes us different if we're talking bad about each other? We should show the world something different. I mean, it should be so different that the world considers it radical. But it's really not. It's biblical. Just nobody else would do anything like that. Yeah, that's because you don't have Jesus. But I'm a new creation. The old passed away behold all has become new so i want us to pray just for a couple of moments quiet space you and jesus be honest if you've come to christ ask the holy spirit where are the areas that i'm playing it safe trying to be comfortable and bring that to the altar but don't leave here holding on to anything except jesus because when it's all said and done that's all that's gonna matter so for a couple of minutes you and jesus and then i'll pray for